Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. I'm Ryan Bonaparte. We're back. Illinois game. No guests this week. We thought with the amount of uh, hassle we give Iowa and their offense, it maybe wouldn't be a, a good idea to bring on a hostile guest. Uh, Ryan and I might just make Brian Ferentz jokes the whole time, and we didn't think that would be a very accommodating environment. Yeah. We're nice people. Yeah, we, we try. We get that Midwestern nice going, so... Uh, instead, it's just going to be Ryan and I. We're going to be talking about Purdue's game coming up Saturday, 3.30 at Iowa City on Peacock, everyone's favorite streaming network. And uh, we're just going to be talking about that, what we think uh, Purdue's going to see when the two teams meet. And, of course, we will uh, undoubtedly rag on Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz. But before we get into too deep um, about the game itself... I wanted to highlight what I thought was a pretty interesting um, and informative story um, that was posted on Hammer and Rails. Um, I reached out to the folks over at Blackheart Gold Pants, which is the Iowa SB Nation blog, and uh, Jonah Parker over there was was kind enough to answer my questions. And I just want to say he he gave some of the most well-thought-out, in-depth answers of anyone uh, who's responded to our questions in the past. Um, I've only been doing the, this part of the of the site, the questions and answers with other blogs, for about two years. But I really thought this guy, he was funny, he was smart, um, he was very knowledgeable about both football and about Iowa in particular. So I, I thought they were very good answers and a lot of information on Iowa that has really informed kind of what I'm looking at as we go ahead and talk about this game. I'm not sure, Ryan, did you have a chance to look at that one yet? Of course, I read all of our articles. <laughs> you know, I don't know how serious you are right now, but uh, I'm going to take that as it. Of course, you did. Um, but okay. yeah, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. And he brought. I asked him how long he thought Kirk Ferentz could continue coaching um, mm-hmm. at Iowa since he's been there. You know, since 1999, 
And he brought up a very good point, which is that in order to get into the College Football Hall of Fame, you have to have a 600 uh, winning percent. And Hmm. right now, Ferentz needs, and I'm going to get the exact numbers. Um, Right now, heading into Saturday's game, his winning percentage is 596. So that means he needs to win six of Iowa's next eight games, including a bowl game, uh, to hit that 600 mark. However, if you add, you know, next season, he would only need to win 14 of the next 21 games between this year and next in order to get to 600. So th- it's, okay. it's it's this guy's suggestion that maybe Ference is hanging around because he wants to be in the Hall of Fame and he has to get that 600 mark in order to get there. And that was something I had never thought of. Yeah, that that is really insightful from from them over there i mean i don't know if a coach thinks about that stuff but like i would i feel like right yeah i mean as much as we all like to admit that you know stuff like that isn't important to us we just want to you know do our job put our head down and keep moving everybody wants to be remembered everybody wants to have something that you know their their family and their children and their children's children you know can go and look and say you know that was my great grandpa he's on a plaque in the college football hall of fame i mean look at this he's immortalized forever blah 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 uh until the heat death of the universe you know um that that and uh to kind of realize hey there was a good ference before Yeah, it's, hey, listen, the family name wasn't always this bad. The family name did not always include terrible offenses. Uh, there was a time when I was good enough to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And then I brought my son in, and it all crashed and burned. Yeah. I It is it is absolutely wild that his son is still there, uh, despite the terrible offense, which, Ryan, I know you've got some stats for me. We're going to do that in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to hearing those, but I, I am still amazed each and every year that Brian Ferentz is still sticking around, um, and that I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because what is he going to fire his own son? You know, he's really <laughs> he painted himself into a corner here um, by right. by hiring his son. He's what are you going to convince your son to like take another job, or are you going to fire your son, or are you just going to retire? Like. I can't imagine firing your own son from from such a high profile job. That'd be a fun uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, if he stayed on. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving, Christmas, every holiday would just be great. Especially, I mean, you know, they both work at Iowa, so it's they can't live that far away from each other. Uh, I'm sure they see yeah. each other quite a bit. <laughs> oh, to be in the Ferens family. Hey, I mean, you'd get a good job out of it at least. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, like I said, I, I just thought it was a really well thought out um, some answers from the guys uh, from Jonah Parker over at Blackheart Gold Pants. So, I would definitely recommend everybody read that and see um, what we can expect when Purdue heads to Iowa City on Saturday. I uh, just wanted to mm-hmm. kind of level set before we got into the bulk of the episode. We're going to take our break early so then Ryan and I can. Uh, Go straight through with learning more about Iowa and then, of course, giving you our predictions at the end. So we will be right back with you, folks. And we are back. So Purdue heading to Iowa City to face Iowa. Iowa currently sits at 4-1 and one overall, 1-1 one and one in conference play. 
Uh, their their record in conference play is a victory over Michigan State. Uh, not a very impressive victory there. Uh, but then they lost. They went to Penn State and they lost thirty one to zero. So um, you know, combined their two games in the Big Ten, they have scored twenty six points. So uh, an average of thirteen. And just as a reminder, uh, Brian Ferentz needs to have this squad average twenty five points overall. Uh, so it can be mm-hmm. offense, defense, special teams in order to get his full salary. Right now, I believe they're at 22.5. Is that right, Ryan? 22.2. Oh, 22.2. So it's even all twos. Uh, twos all the way down. So uh, yep. not exactly where they need to be yet. But, you know, maybe they can get there. But, Ryan, they had some injury news uh, that from the last game against Michigan State that was confirmed uh, on Monday or Tuesday. What do we know about the quarterback position for Iowa coming into Saturday's game? Yeah, so we knew going in that Iowa's quarterback, Cade McNamara, has had some injury issues with his knees. Um, He actually had a non-contact injury in fall camp that absolutely sent Iowa into a tizzy. He came back, he's played not very well, mind you, but he has played. And unfortunately, he tore his ACL in this game against Michigan State. So Kirk Ferentz... Uh, has confirmed that he will be out the rest of the year. So Iowa will, will now turn to Deacon Hill, a transfer quarterback from Wisconsin who was behind Graham Mertz at the time. And he doesn't have many stats for us to go off of just because he's had limited playing time so far this year. And let's face it, the Iowa offense hasn't really been out there that much to get him on the field. Um, so it'll be a shakeup and I know in your questions with, um, with the Iowa blog that they think that this should actually open up the offense just because Cade McNamara was so immobile with his knee injury before he actually tore the ACL because he was just being very ginger on it at that point. And I believe they said couldn't even get to like outside zone handoffs. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, he did. Uh, Jonah from Blackheart Gold Pants talked about that a lot. How the playbook was limited because of his injury, and that they do hope that bringing on um, the backup quarterback will allow them to open up the playbook a little bit. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's wrong, but I just don't know how trustworthy a guy like Deacon Hill is with so little experience. And even, you know, what he has, he's not known, you know, as a world beater or as an incredibly athletic mobile quarterback. I mean, he, he's a big guy. He's like, what, right. 6'3", 265 or something outrageous like that? Yeah. Um, so they may be op- able to open up the playbook a little more, but is he capable of making deep throws? Is he capable of making those crosses? Apparently, the, he said this is the first time they've run a slant to a wide receiver in two years or thrown wow. a slant to a wide receiver in two years. And he said no He said no seriously uh, when he answered that. So I have to believe he's telling the truth there. I cannot obviously uh, go back and look at all the tape, but that seems crazy to me. How much does this just epitomize Iowa and their offense? Like you can't even run your full playbook, which is not even a good playbook right. when – because you're bringing in a transfer quarterback who didn't win the starting job at Michigan and who was 
babying a uh, knee injury from fall camp. This is just like nothing can go right with Iowa's offense at all. Well, and, it is, and, and with those and limitations, how did he become the starter? Exactly. Like, it's borderline negligence by the offensive coaches, and, well, we we just have more writing to put on the wall against uh, Brian Ferentz. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute dumpster fire on offense. Huh. I, yeah, I, I don't know how to go into it. I, I guess this kind of transitions us into statistics, but I don't have many that are really even good or populated that much. Well, so b- before I, before I let you get into that, I this okay. is just a basic statistic that you know it, you can just pull it right off the top. It doesn't really tell you much, but it tells you. I think what Iowa has done on offense, even in their, you know, early season games, you go just to the ESPN um, schedule and you, you get to see the high in passing, the high in rushing and the high in receiving for each game in a game where they beat Western Michigan 41 to 10 McNamara was their leading passer with 103 yards, their leading receiver, 34 yards. Mm. They they have not had a wide receiver go over 100 yards this year. Yeah. Their high in receiving is 73 yards in a game against Utah State. And, like, it blows my mind. And they've only had a guy rush for over 100 yards one time. And that mm-hmm. was in the, the victory against Western Michigan. I don't know yeah. how this offense is doing anything with numbers like that. And I know... You can only tell so much from baseline numbers like that. You kind of have to dig deeper, but I think those numbers do tell a story. Yeah, it, uh, you mentioned the Western Michigan game. Kind of another number to throw at that game. You want to guess what their average starting field position was? Uh, Western Michigan 40. Uh, the Iowa 46. Okay, yeah, so that's... Almost midfield. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, and the fact that they only threw for, you said, 103 yards? Yeah. And still put up 41. It's just mind-boggling. Now, I know that was the game they had a pick six. So, there's there's that. Um, yeah, their their actually, offensive no, numbers just sort of... Six. That was Iowa State. Just, their, mm. their, their offensive numbers just sort of defy gravity. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and... Mm. When you've got the defense and special teams Iowa does, it it really sets you up. But, yeah, so here's some of the numbers I have on Deacon. He's 15 of 35 for 164 yards. So he's not even completing 50% of his passes. And he has one touchdown, one interception. Not a good ratio. No. Um, it's, you know, it's not good. Before Cade McNamara went down, he had four touchdowns and three interceptions. Also so, not good. Yeah, you're you're not gonna have a uh, a conference accolade from the quarterback position of Iowa this season. No. It's not gonna happen. Well, really, any offensive position. Let's be honest. Maybe the tight end. Maybe the tight end. Yeah, but well, I'll I'll get to their tight end, who is their leading receiver. Um, but before that, I have their two leading rushers, LaShawn Williams. So 37 carries. He's got 200 yards in five games. So 
<laughs> Quick math, that's 42 yards a game. It's unbelievable. And he has no rushing touchdowns, but he has a receiving touchdown. So take that with what at, you will. At this point, if you're an offensive football player in high school, why the hell would you ever go to Iowa? Because it's like dating. Sometimes you pick the broken one just so you <laughs> I can, can think that you it. can fix it. <laughs> That's perfect. That's very, But I mean, like, I, I mean that as a legitimate question. Like, look at what happened with Tyrone Tracy. Look at what happened with Charlie Jones. It's not as if these yep. guys weren't talented. They just were not being used at all. And then they come to yep. Purdue, and Charlie Jones was a huge star last year. All-American, now in the NFL. Tyrone Tracy didn't do as much last year, but obviously getting a much better opportunity this year, really showing that he is capable uh, of being a starting player in Division One football. And Iowa just did nothing with these guys. Like, why, are, why would a recruit on the offensive side of the ball ever go to Iowa? Unless maybe you're a tight end. Yeah, um... Now, the one question I have about Iowa, and I, I don't know how this exactly works out. It really plays into this. They utilize players wrong. Um, Caleb Johnson, I, for the life of me, thought that he was a wide receiver at Ohio State. I know we touched on this in the um, notes over the summer, and for some reason he is lined up as a running back. Maybe it's just he's more like a gadget guy, but for some reason just thought he was a wide receiver. And it would be the most Iowa thing to bring an Ohio State wide receiver <laughs> and turn him into a running back. Yeah, yeah. Or put, he, He's only played two games. He's turn been him, hurt. Turn him into a defensive back, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would actually... They're, they're pretty uh, successful when it comes to uh, their defensive backs. So. Yeah. But... Yeah, he's only played two seasons. He's actually, or two seasons, two games, and he is their second leading rusher with 91 yards. Wow. He almost has more kick return yards with 77 on two kickoff returns than rushing yards. And he's their second leading rusher. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. It's it's absolutely insane. They, oh, I'm sorry, he's not their second leading rusher. He has 91, and the, uh, the rookie... Or freshman, uh, Kamari Moulton has 93 yards. Okay, well, so he's pretty close. Yeah. So he's the only player, uh, Kamari Moulton, to have multiple rushing touchdowns with two. Wow. So Iowa has 10 touchdowns on their offense the entire season. Five passing, five rushing. Well, they're balanced, you know, you can, yes, if nothing same. else. Right. And you mentioned that Penn State game. They didn't have 100 yards total in that game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and like, I believe they only had four first downs the entire game. So, I mean, you and I are Purdue fans. We've seen some bad football games. Right. We have watched Purdue get beat every which way um, by everyone in the conference and a lot of out-of-conference opponents. But, man, I oh, cannot I I cannot recall a drubbing like that. I mean, even the LSU game in the bowl game, at least we put up some points. Right. Yeah. Man. Um, it's just, yeah. I get Penn State whiteout is an intimidating atmosphere, but just 
absolute nothing went right. And mind you, they also started one of their drives inside uh, Penn State territory on one of the turnovers. They oh, wow. and started at nothing the 48. Yep. So it, it happens. Like, Penn State is very good this year. I mean, I think everyone sees that, but Iowa's offense is just that much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, their leading receiver, as I mentioned before, is their tight end, Eric All, who is actually also a transfer from Michigan. So him and McNamara probably have some uh, chemistry there, if nothing else. He's got 14 catches for 183 yards, and he's the only one with two receiving touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. So he's got 40% of his team's receiving touchdowns. Um Next best receiving is Seth Anderson. Well, next best would be Luke Lackey, another tight end. However, he is also out for the rest yeah. of the season with yeah. an injury. Injured. So the next best active player is Seth Anderson, uh, transfer. He's got five catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. Wow. And then you have Nico. Now, I'm torn with his name because it clearly says Regani. But all the announcers always say Ragaini, and it, I think that's how you're technically supposed to announce it. But good old Nico, the senior, has 70 yards on the year Man. and eight receptions. I just, I, how frustrating must it be to be any offensive skill player on this Iowa team? Yeah, or a defensive player in general. Like, Well, yeah, because you're doing all the work, and then you're watching the offense do nothing. Yeah, I... I just I don't know how they manage, and they're four and one. Yeah, that is th- that's the most frustrating thing for an opposing team coming in. Yeah, like they still somehow win. Well, right now though, they've not exactly played a a tough tough schedule. Uh, Utah yeah. State at Iowa State, Western Michigan. They of course got trounced by Penn State, as we said, thirty one to nothing, and then they beat Michigan State at home, twenty six to sixteen, in a game that was a lot closer than that because. Um, yeah, Iowa scored a defensive touchdown there toward the end of the game um, to kind of salt it away. Yeah, and mind you, this is also a reeling Michigan State team. Right. Yeah, they've so. obviously had some off-season problems. They're mm-hmm. off the field and uh, on the telephone problems. Yep. Um, so the only other stats I really have for the offense, they have allowed 10 sacks this year, so... Two a game, not terrible. They have fumbled ten times, lost five of them, so they're not exactly holding on to the ball very well. They have, on average, 241 yards a game on offense. Wow. And it usually comes in, like, two or three drives. They have two or three drives where they get 60, 70 yards, and then everything else seems to be a three and out. So... By comparison, Purdue has 399 yards per game, total yards. So Purdue averages 150 more total yards a game. So that's always fun. And then their offense has put up 64 first downs total the entire season, 10 of which have come by penalty. Wow. So their offense has actually done it 54 times a by comparison, Purdue has 118 first downs this year. That is more than double. Well, just just under double. I thought you said 54 and 118. Oh, uh, well, 
Yeah, 64 and 118. Oh, 64, 64. Yeah. 10 were by penalty, so 54 by the offense, Okay. by penalty. Okay. So, yeah. Either way, n- not good. So, um, that's, that's just really, really poor. Oh, last stat I have on the offense. The amount of times that Iowa's offense have gone three and out. So, three plays and a punt. 21 times. Okay. They average four a game. Wow. Purdue has done it nine times. Although, they've only done it three times in their last two full games. Okay. So, it's yeah, it's like, you just... Iowa can't capitalize. They can't drive the ball. they just dysfunctional all around. Now, um, if I go on to the defense, they have some stars. Yeah. Yeah, especially like, in their secondary. Some, yeah, some bona fide stars. And their secondary is really led by Cooper DeGene. Mm-hmm. This guy's got 30 tackles, an interception past the, the defe- deflected. He's got 12 punt returns and averages almost 15 yards a punt return, and one of which he brought back for a 70-yard touchdown. This guy is the real deal. He will be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, it's without a happen. doubt. Without a doubt. So, clearly, you want to just throw the ball away from him. Right, now, yeah. Iowa does not have pass rushers this year. It's just not what their strength is. Their linebackers are getting better. Their secondary is really good. But Iowa's only got three sacks this season in five games. Like, they are not getting to the quarterback. And... I really am encouraged by that just because Purdue not only has a mobile quarterback, but Hudson Card can uh, move around really well and avoid pressure, I believe. So that's very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to give you a real-time update. Uh, there we go. Kirk Ferentz is doing his radio show right now, and ah. apparently he said, running back Caleb Johnson, quote, I think he's going to give it a go. We'll see but it's realistic to think he might be able to play. Okay. Okay. So, honestly, I think Johnson, really his biggest threat to um, Purdue is his kick return game. Um, I think whoever the kickoff specialist is for Purdue in this one really has to make sure he's getting a touchback because Caleb Johnson is averaging – 40 yards a return. That's um, that's good. Yeah. So it's pretty imperative that you get a touchback on these. So that's something to look out for. And obviously anytime you have a backup running back who is capable or even three running backs, if you have Johnson Williams and Moulton out there, Purdue showed it. It can be helpful to give everybody rest and just continually cycle. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, think, we'll we'll see if he comes back and we'll see if he makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Iowa is very Iowa this season. They are forcing turnovers at their uh, usual high clip. They have five interceptions on the year, two fumble recoveries. So, somehow their uh, turnover ratio is actually minus two. <laughs> but... Hey, that's that's not because of the defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Phil Parker always has a scary 
defense for Iowa, and this year is not really any different. The only difference is that they're not getting to the quarterback. So if you have time, you can make those cornerbacks pay that I think Purdue is capable of doing. Um, I like that approach. We'll see how effective it can be because – Iowa's always very good at changing up their defense and making adjustments on the fly. Yeah, yeah. And it really feels like this is going to be one of those times where, as you said, Hudson Card is just going to have to avoid wherever Cooper DeGene is, you know, for the vast yeah. majority of the game and go elsewhere. You would assume they would probably put him on Burks. Um, yep. and And then uh, leave him and Burks on an island and then try to, you know, force everybody else into shorter shorter passes or um, more difficult throws for Hudson Card. But I think it's going to be imperative for Hudson Card to be able to identify where he is and to be able to know that and kind of uh, plan accordingly. You know, look look to the opposite side of the field, or um, you got to test him maybe once in a while, but you can't try to put it into a spot because uh, DeGene is their best guy on, on defense and he can really um, really wreak havoc in that backfield. Absolutely. They're all ball hawks in that secondary. They definitely uh, search for it and they oftentimes get to it. Yeah. So. What, what do we know? Um, do we know anything about Iowa's special teams? I think they have oh, a, a we... fairly decent kicker. Yeah. So Drew Stevens is their kicker. He's 8 of 9 from field goal this year. So, obviously, one miss is fine if you're uh, kicking 9 field goals. Has not missed an extra point. He's 11 of 11. So, not many opportunities this year so far. But, I still submit that the best player on the entire team of the Iowa Hawkeyes is Tory Taylor. Their punter <laughs> is their best player. Well, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be Iowa if they didn't have a great punter. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this guy, I think he's going to be a three-time Ray Guy finalist. Which is, of course, um, so, the, for those that don't know, the award for best punter in the country. Yeah, just absolutely uh, incredible. So he's punted 30 times this year already, and he's averaging nearly 50 yards a punt. Wow. So this guy can flip the field and absolutely just make it incredibly difficult on an offense, especially when he usually has room just to unload on the ball. It's incredible. He is an Aussie punter, so he uh, goes off to the side and he just lets it loose. So you really wish, uh, you really hope that Jack Ansel, while he's there, becomes best friends with him and (laughs) they... uh, Punt with each other. Some some quick tips on uh, what I can do to be a little better. Exactly. Yeah, and and that, their punt coverage is pretty good as well, right? Yes. I mean, with Tory Taylor just booming punts, it's a lot of times over the guy's head to yeah. where it's just inside the 20 is almost unusual if it doesn't happen. So it's it's such a nice commodity to have. Um, I do have our punting game. I do have one for today. Okay, let's see if I can do it. Okay, so it would take Tory Taylor, 150,000 punts. Oh my gosh. It's overseas. I'll help you with that. So 150,104 punts. Okay, overseas. 
just as a bonus hint, go east from Iowa. East from Iowa, overseas. Have they played a game in Ireland? Not that I know of. Okay, I was trying to think if, like, they used to be the so-called Irish national champions. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Okay. It is a company in Portugal. The company is called Nepotismo. Fantastic. Nepotismo and Cuna. I don't know. I don't speak Portuguese, but... Uh, it is a shipping service in Portugal, so it's like UPS, I guess. Wow. Just beautiful. Mm-hmm. There is not a town named Nepotism in the United States. I checked. Yeah, there's no, like, Nepotism, Kansas? Not that I found. I also couldn't find any lawyers that were exclusively Nepotism lawyers. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Although, in a way, there's a... A lot of lawyers who are nepotism lawyers. They work at Daddy's firm. There you go. Um, wow. So, who knew there was a company named Nepotismo? Yeah. All right. So, so you love. It. What else do we need to know about Iowa, or are we just ready for predictions? Um, I mean, for those who are unaware of it, they have one of the coolest traditions in college sports. They do when Un- they wave after the first quarter. Yeah. But you know what? It's for a good cause. It is. So I'm okay with it. Um, For those of you who don't know, the Iowa uh, football stadium, Kinnick Stadium, is located right next to a children's hospital. And at the end of the first quarter of every home football game, the entire stadium will turn and look at the children's hospital and everyone will wave. The hospital will bring all the kids up and they will bring them to the windows facing the stadium so that the kids oftentimes who are dealing with incredibly uh, difficult, you know, um, circumstances, they get to wave to an entire stadium of people and they're all waving back. It is incredible to see. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful moment and. You hear, you know, when it when they first started doing it, they would often do stories on the hospital and on some of the kids, and they'll still mention it. You know, I think every time you see it on a on a uh, Iowa broadcast. But man, it, it's those stories just kick you right in the feelings uh, every single time, and it is a beautiful little moment. And we, you won't hear me say uh, a bad thing about that moment. You know, other than I said, unfortunately, it's it's Iowa, but. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things in sports and you can't take anything away from it. That was, now we're being way too nice. Uh, so Ryan, I want to hear your prediction on what we think is going to happen this week. I, I'll tell you, I'll give you a minute to think about it because I want to, I want to give you some of my feelings. This, I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. (laughs) I thought (laughs) Iowa was bad on offense last year. And then Purdue plays that game, and they lose 24-3. to Can't do anything. The weather was bad. I'll grant you that. Um, but, man, Purdue could do nothing. And it's not as if Iowa, you know, exploded on offense. They only scored 24 points. But they just they looked like a different Iowa team in that game against Purdue. Purdue, of course, still found a way to win the West. But, man, that was a disheartening loss last year. Um and now with, with McNamara out and this Deacon Hill guy coming in, 
every time Purdue faces a backup quarterback, part of me shudders because I'm like, is this guy going to be an undiscovered talent and is going to you know, grasp his opportunity and really crush us? I just don't know. So it, there's a lot of mixed emotions going into this game for me. But uh, I've stalled long enough, Ryan. Let's hear what you got. Okay. Um, I think that I clearly think the Iowa offense is really bad. And after last week against Illinois, I think the Purdue defense showed some real promise um, with handling a subpar offense that was Illinois. And this offense is just even worse. So it comes down to how well will the Purdue offense do against this stellar Iowa defense. Yeah. And – if Purdue is able to limit the effect the defense can have on the Iowa offense, if that makes sense, if you can limit to how well the Iowa defense can stop you to give opportunities to the offense for Iowa, then um, you're in a much better situation. So if Purdue, which I think they should do, plays I'll call it mistake-free football. That's a key, At least yeah. 90% mistake-free. I think Purdue gets a win, and I will give them 21-10. to 10. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you're not you're not exactly picking a high-scoring game either. So, no. uh, one of the, the – as part of the, you know, question and answers, the Blackheart Gold Pants guys send me questions as well. And so I've already sent my prediction over to them. I said, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with this, but I actually am the more I think about it. I've also got Purdue winning. I also have a scoring just 21, but I have got 21 to 17 for Iowa, uh, 17 for Iowa. And I just think neither one of these teams has really put it all together on both sides of the ball. Purdue finding themselves on offense while struggling mightily at times on defense, but they looked a lot better last week against Illinois. Now the question for me becomes, is that just because Illinois is very bad or has Ryan Walters taking over the calls uh, on defense and the coordinators being in the booth, did that really make that much of a difference? Um, Mm -hmm. Are things starting to click? And we just don't know yet. And I don't think we're going to know – based on what we see against Iowa. Because as you've said and you've you know uh, pointed out with various statistics, this Iowa offense is very bad. So right. it's going to be hard to get an, a clear picture of what the Purdue defense is truly made of when you're facing a team like Iowa. So take anything that happens on the defensive side of the ball with a grain of salt. But if Purdue truly can uh, take care of the football, no Devin Mockaby turnovers, no silly interceptions – I do think they can take care of business because Iowa just does not look good on offense. They're suffering some injuries to their few skilled players, and they are not as good as they have been on defense. They're still very good, but they're not as good as they have been in years past. So that's why I'm sticking with 21-17. to Purdue finds a way to win their third game of the season and keep some semblance of a bull hope alive. That was actually going to be my question to you, that if Purdue gets this win, do we start talking about a bowl game? I think so, because we've still got Northwestern, we've still got IU, and you you assume we're going to win both of those, so that's five. 
then you just have yep. to pick off one of the remaining games. and Nebraska or Minnesota. Exactly, because it's not going to be Michigan. It's not going to be Ohio State, barring some sort of absolute mirror. Um, mm. You know, that those games are just – they're just not going to happen, as unfortunate it is uh, to say. So Purdue will go mm-hmm. into Lincoln uh, for that Nebraska game, and then they play at home um, against Minnesota on November 11th, a game I will be in attendance for. So – Let's hope uh, they can pull out the victory there. Maybe I will be the reverse Ryan, uh, the reverse the curse, right. um, and and allow Purdue to win. So you will not, of course, be at the Iowa game uh, this weekend unless you're traveling on your own. Um, so are you taking the curse to Iowa? Nope. Okay, good. I, I will be rooted in Illinois. Well, I might be in Illinois or Indiana. It depends on where I am. I'm right on the border anyway. Either way, not Indiana. Or I'm sorry, not Iowa. Right. Yeah, okay, so good. Yep. So now it's it's another nice little test to see if it's you um, as the cause of Purdue's game day troubles. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. I, I was planning to go to this Minnesota game, but we're going to have to see, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we can't both be at the game at the same time because we're going to have to test it. It's like a double-blind right. study. Um, so we mm-hmm. can't be at the, uh, at the stadium or in arena at the same time. Yeah, I do plan on seeing Bruce that week, though. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Um, so, for Ryan and myself, that's it, folks. We'll see you on Peacock at 3.30 on Saturday. Boil it up. <laughs> Hammer down.